Thank you. Well, it's good to be home. <laughs> my, probably my third home. <laughs> I've got a home in Wodonga, home in Melbourne. I was in Brisbane last year. I'm a bit of a nomad. And hopefully my home will be in Canada one day <laughs> when um, this COVID nonsense is over. But I'm very, very happy to see you all. I kind of feel like we're family, but we're really spread out. So can I ask a favour? If you're on this side of the room, would you mind like just cuddling up? Let's cuddle up and be family and <laughs> and um, today I actually wanted to also say happy Mother's Day and Naomi kind of stole the words out of my mouth <laughs> acknowledging that this is a hard day for some people so we remember those people who are might be struggling today a little bit and of course I'm not a mother myself but today I want to talk about spiritual parenting and so all of us can be a parent in the spiritual sense and yeah I guess I see myself as a spiritual mother to maybe a whole generation but um, I just wanted to also yeah just tell a little bit of my journey with Youth for Christ over the last few years oh you got that up on already who didn't know I released a book recently and we launched it last night here in Darwin but here it is um, it's basically a 31-day devotional for youth, um, but anyone, really. My mum, my nearly 80-year-old mum, <laughs> has done it, and of course she loved it because I'm her daughter. <laughs> but, but the international president of Youth for Christ, who's in his 60s, he did it. He actually wrote the foreword for the book, and he loved it. So praise the Lord, you know, you're not, you're not too old to read this book. Um, and I just pray that it will bless you. It's divided into three parts. It's on intimacy, intercession, and the increase of the kingdom. And it's actually got lots of Darwin stories. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys, as you read it, if you've been around for a while, you might even remember some of those stories. And Anna Mika, where are you? My beautiful sister. She is the illustrator of this book. And um, yeah, I'm so thankful for her partnership with this as well. Um, there's only three books left. So I brought 70 books to Darwin and there's only three left. So first in Best Dressed Today, but you can see up there, you can get them from Amazon, Kurong. But um, it's better if you can go through Youth for Christ Australia. So if you do want a copy, um, we can write an address. It's just because more money gets back into YFC's pocket rather than Amazon's pocket. <laughs> um, if you would like to order, you can do actually bulk orders. Like So even if as a church you want to order a few and on-sell them, you can get discounts for bulk orders. So just see me and Amika afterwards for that information. So actually my journey with Youth for Christ started right here in this building in 2015. And it all started because of a dream I had when I was with Tully in India. In 2014, we traveled there to visit one of her dear friends and missionary over there. And the same night, the three of us had these hectic dreams in a motel room in Kerala. And I think our lives were forever changed from that point. And the dream that I had reminded me of my calling to mobilize prayer and the power of unified prayer. So after that, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? And all I felt like he said was help Dave. And so Dave was here by himself, running Youth for Christ. He'd been praying basically for two years by himself for what um, Youth for Christ was meant to be like. 
and I came along and we wanted to give the title Prophetic Princess, but we didn't think that would <laughs> go down too well in mission circles. So I ended up being the um, prayer and mission coordinator here. When Dave left, um, I ended up being the team leader. Um, then Katie came along. I was able to transition into the national role. Um, and when I actually was leaving Darwin, I was here for 11 years. The last couple of years were getting a little bit uncomfortable and I was like, Lord, what is going on? Like I came because I had such a heart and passion for working with our Aboriginal brothers and sisters. I've known Gloria and her family for years and her mum in Balluan and worked at Woolaning and I just thought I was going to be in the territory forever. But um, the Lord said at that stage, I've made you for the nations. And I'm like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so um, it was a little while until I got appointed into this role. But last year, a few people would, you know, sending me messages, Linda, we thought of you in this role. I looked at the job description, I'm like, no way, <laughs> like I can't do that. Um, had three rounds of interviews and finally I got the word about a month later to say, yes, we want you in this role. And it's an absolute honour and privilege to serve the Youth for Christ family worldwide and um, I can't wait for the borders to open again so I can get out there into the nations. Um, so who is YFC? So YFC is an evangelical, non-denominational um, youth organisation that's all around the world. There's about 110 countries that Youth for Christ is in, always new, pioneering new ones. Basically, our vision is that every young person in every nation, in every people group, would be given an opportunity to make an informed decision to become a follower of Jesus and be discipled into a local church. So that's a very long vision statement, but it basically encapsulates who we are. And that can look really different in different places. So here in Australia, we focus on peer-to-peer -peer evangelism. So we're raising up young people to be able to share the gospel with other young people and de developing awesome tools to help with that, like these little hope cards. Um, they got QR codes on the back when COVID hit and we couldn't do face-to-face -face stuff. This was developed and you can actually order these online now. You get a starter pack of 100 cards and it's so good, it's such an easy, Jimmy, you'd love this. You just go to someone, hey, do you need some hope in your life? And there's some training that goes along with it. The HOPE stands for stuff. And they can go on the phone, look up um, the QR code and these amazing stories of hope come up. Um, one minute testimonies of what people's lives were like before they met Jesus, what Jesus has done for their life and what their lives are like now. So yeah, Youth for Christ Australia is doing a great job. Um, in the nations, it could be building a school in Africa, it could be running a day centre in the Ukraine, it could be running camps in the USA, or our very own Dondale team that um, Keely and Anamika and Tom and Esther are part of, working with um, young people in juvenile detention. So it really does vary depending on the context of where we are. And uh, it started in the 70s. Does anyone know who the very first evangelist was for Youth for Christ? I know Sarah and Tully should know for after last night, if you can remember. <laughs> Billy Graham, the very well-known world world evangelist, was the very first worker for Youth for Christ. And um, Tori Johnson was a Chicago pastor who was the very first president, and it soon spread throughout the world, including here in Australia, back in the 40s. And... I don't know if you've heard of this um, 
saying before, but they're pretty well known for this statement. Anchored to the rock, geared to the times. So we're always anchored in Jesus, but we know that the world changes, and so we change our ministry methods to suit. And obviously now it's a lot of online because of COVID and, you know, so many nations are still in that position. So why do we need a role like mine? Well, prayer is the foundation of everything we do. Um, Tory Johnson, the founding um, father of YFC, said in 1988, we understood that prayer is the way God works, so we tried to work according to God's formula. Pretty simple, hey? Prayer enables us to hear what God's plans are and act on it. Prayer is a weapon of warfare to tear down enemy strongholds. Prayer establishes God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So in my role, it's um, to ensure a culture of prayer is maintained um, in the nations. And most of our nations have a prayer coordinator. So I oversee that. I develop prayer initiatives. I'm hoping to do 24-7 prayer for a month later in the year. Um, do training and equipping mentoring, coaching people in prayer. A lot of prayer myself, obviously, intercessory prayer, and of course, developing resources like this book and hopefully more to come. Um, and I also help provide leadership. There's an amazing ministry that I'm going to touch on later called Wake Up Deborah. It's a movement of praying mums, but now there's also men involved. Uh, it started in Brazil in 1995, and yeah, I'd love to share a little bit about that later. But yeah, I guess I should share all this because um, it is a mission movement. So we are all missionaries. We don't get paid. We just live off what people um, out of the goodness of their heart and what the Lord lays on their heart to sow into the ministry and into our lives. So there are a few of these prayer cards around. I don't know where I... Oh, yeah. this one. If you'd like my face on your fridge, <laughs> feel free to take one. There's some on the seats here or there might be a few out the back. Um, but yeah, there's details there. If you uh, feel like the Lord's leading you to sow into this ministry or my um, role, then feel free. You can email me or just have a chat to me afterwards. Obviously, there's no obligation. Um, but basically, that's how we live is by the Lord's provision so, I wanted to touch on what it is, being a spiritual parent to the next generation. Do you want to go to the next slide there, Sam? So, as you know, I'm not a biological mother myself. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that we can't have the heart of a mother. I think every single one of us has the capacity to love as a mother or a father would love their child. We can feel the pain of someone who makes a bad decision. If your child does something wrong, you're like, oh my goodness, why did they do that? You don't have to be a biological mother or father to feel that pain when someone, a younger person that you love, makes a bad decision. I really believe that it's imperative for the health of our churches that we actually take a hold of spiritual parenting of the next generation. What's the need? Because 
out there in the world, about a third of children grow up in single parent families. And it doesn't just touch the people out there, it touches the people in our churches. Uh, we know the brokenness of the world because of broken families. There's so many people who are longing for a spiritual parent. Even a couple of weeks ago, um, I was chatting to a good friend of mine who's in her 30s. She's um, been in ministry herself. And she said, I feel so empty. And when we kind of dug into it a bit, it came down to the fact that she's from a broken home. She, doesn't, she has a father, but he doesn't father her. And she's crying out for that kind of affection that a father, a parent can give. We know, obviously, when we're born again, we have an amazing heavenly father where all of our needs are met. But God's put us in community and he's put those who are more mature in the faith to be able to come alongside those who are still growing up in the faith. So you can be in your 30s, in your 40s, and still need a spiritual parent, someone that you can turn to and just ask questions of to be prayed for, to be loved, to be nurtured. Um, today we're going to have a look at um, the Apostle Paul. Like Some people actually say that Paul was married, but he could have been married for a short period of time, but we know that he was probably single for most of the time that he was alive. Um, but we don't see that he was a biological father in the scriptures, but we do see an amazing example that he was as a spiritual father. Um, and we're going to look at the example from Timothy. So I need eight volunteers just to read eight scriptures. So who's got their Bibles? So, Sarah, you want to look up uh, 1 Timothy 1, 3 to 4, and then verse 18. Tom, do you want to look up 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 14? Matt, you got one? Um, 2 Timothy 1, 3. Who else has got a Bible? Naomi, 2 Timothy 1, 4. I guess... Matt could have done both of those, but anyway. Um, who else? Isaac, have you got one? 2 Timothy 3.10. Who else has got a Bible or a phone? Keely? Uh, which, what one did I just do? 2 Timothy 3.10. 2 Timothy 2.1. Two more we need. Trish, 2 Timothy 1.6-8. And last one, sorry I don't know your name, but thanks for volunteering. Second Timothy 4, 6-7. So first of all, before I um, get you to read those verses, Sam, do you want to click on the next slide? Hello. Yo. <laughs> Sound desk. <laughs> Isn't it good, like, when you're family, you can just tell them what to do? <laughs> Um, so here Paul is addressing Timothy as a true son in the faith. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. 
for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it all it will go with me, and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. But obviously, Paul thought very, very highly of this man, Timothy. They first met um, on Paul's second missionary journey, and they say that Timothy was probably about 16 years old, and Paul was probably here in his 30s um, when they first met, and Timothy went on that first journey with him. And the books of Timothy is written probably about 16 years later, so they're obviously gone on a long journey together of relationship. And Paul is still encouraging Timothy 16 years later. Um, okay, let's uh, look at the first verse. It's First Timothy 1, 3 to 4. Do you want to click on to the next slide, please? Do you want to read that out? Who's got that one? All right. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies, which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Uh, then 18, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So in here, what do we see? Do you want to go to the... Yeah. So he's basically instructing him how to deal with challenging issues we know that there was false teachers in the church. So Paul's writing to give him instruction about what to do. He's sharing wisdom. Next one, 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 14. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honour and eternal dominion. Amen. Can you read more than that? <laughs> Sam, oh, you got it up? Cool. So he encouraged him constantly in his faith and to be godly in character. Second Timothy 1.3, who's got that one? I think Tom added a bit on, but that's all right. <laughs> I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my fathers did, 
as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. So that should be an easy one. What did he do? He prayed for him continually. Uh, Next verse, I think, Naomi. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. So he obviously had this amazing love for Timothy that, you know, their relationship was so close that he was crying when Paul left. (laughs) And um, Paul wanted to be physically close to Timothy because of that love and that affection, but he couldn't be. He was in prison most of the time. (laughs) But it didn't stop that physical distance, didn't stop him from encouraging and sowing into his life. Who's got the next one? 2 Timothy 3.10. Now I... Ch- uh, sorry. Now you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my pace, patience, my love, my steadfastness. So basically, Paul was an amazing example to Timothy, you've observed, or other translations says, you have followed me. Um, my translations, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings. He set an amazing example to the younger Timothy. 2 Timothy 2 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, Was it for Timothy? For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit of fear, but God, sorry, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, <laughs> but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So there was two in a row there. So first of all, he continually encourages Timothy to be strong, to be strong in the faith. And then obviously he recognises the gifts and the calling that Timothy has and encourages him to pursue them. And this is the last one we have, 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 7. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. So he is in it for the long haul. Um, It was probably about 18 years later that Paul wrote that to Timothy from his first meeting, and he was actually in prison writing that. So, and we know that not long after Paul actually died, So, 
how can a parent, spiritual parent be summarised from the example? Well, I've written a definition. Sam, you got that there? It says, a believer who is concerned for the well-being of one in a younger generation, setting an example in faith and conduct and being a consistent, prayerful encourager so that the young person is being encouraged to hold firmly to faith, to sound doctrine and a life of godliness, fulfil their purpose in God, follow their example of steadfast obedience, especially in the face of challenges. So Paul had lived that faithful life of service and he wants his young charge to follow his example by doing the same. How amazing would it be to get to the end of your life and have someone say to you, I've stayed a Christian, I've walked the um, good walk, I've kept the faith, largely due because your example and your encouragement for me. Wouldn't that be an amazing way to end your life? So now we're going to do a little activity here. Um, Sam, do you want to go to the next slide? So here we actually have a little graph showing generations that we currently have in the world, and this is for the Western world. So it's time for truth-telling. <laughs> if you are, is there any baby boomers here? The last one might have left the room. But <laughs> anyone here born between 46 and 64? Ah, oh, yes. Woo. Stand up. Oh, let's see who they are. <laughs> yes, this is what you have to look forward to, guys. <laughs> Being these, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> the scripture says about the grey hair and the wisdom, you know. So, <laughs> um, Generation X, that's me, 65 to 80. Anyone else in that age bracket? Stand up, you guys. Let's see who you are. Come on, I want everyone to see, so this is like, <laughs> come on, Carla and John, you know. <laughs> Look, you know, there's a few years there, it gives you a little bit of room. <laughs> Millennials, 81 to 96, who's a, who's a millennial? Or a, this is also, a, oh, it's a, largely the rest of the church. So this is um, also called Gen Y. All right, you guys can sit down. And then Gen Z, you've probably got a heaps of Gen Alphas here, but they're all out the back. It's 97 to 2012. Ooh, oh, here we go. There's a few. So this is probably, yeah, the, the current generation that are the young people and young adults at the moment. And then Generation Alpha is from the early 2010s onwards. So they're all the kids out the back. And um, we know that this generation, Gen Z, are the ones that come from the most broken families um, in the whole of history. So I know that many of you probably already are living this life of spiritual parenting, but if you don't have a younger believer that you're currently sowing into, I want you to ask yourself, is there someone in a younger generation than me that I can be a spiritual parent to. So if you're a baby boomer, like we've only got two here, <laughs> but hopefully there'll be more. Um, who in Gen X is there within the church family that you might be able to get alongside? 
I can obviously be a younger generation too, but I think just going one generation below gives everyone that opportunity. Um, if you're a Gen Xer like me, who in Gen Y or Gen Z could you come alongside? And you saw, you know, those people who were standing up. There's a lot of people in that age bracket. Um, and so on. If you're a, a millennial who in Gen Z or even these little alphas, who's one person you could come alongside? And even a Gen Z, you know, the younger ones, like I know Shanae is amazing at this, coming alongside an alpha, like a younger one. Everyone has something to give. You don't have to be the most spiritual, mature person in the whole world to be able to pray for someone and to encourage someone. And also, I guess, sometimes we think, well, why would a younger person want to hang out with me? But it's amazing how many out there are actually craving that kind of a relationship. You might think they're independent, they're self-obsessed, that's the me generation, me, myself and I. But so many are actually longing for connection with an older person and it doesn't take much to just say, hey, would you like to come over for a meal? Would you like to go out for a coffee? And the good thing about this is like, you always have a job in the kingdom. So no matter how old you are, you know, I have Dave Ridley's pop who's in his 90s. He's basically my biggest prayer supporter, still sewing in to me and this generation. So yeah, there's no used by date in the kingdom. So uh, just to finish up with, I just wanted to share about one worldwide movement that's doing an amazing job at this. Um, we got the next slide, Sam. So it's a movement called Wake Up Deborah, and as I said earlier, it started in Brazil in the early or mid-90s. But basically it's a movement of praying mothers that started that way and now praying people <laughs> so you don't have to be a mother be able to come alongside a young person and pray for them. But in Brazil alone, there's over 100,000 committed to praying for at least 15 minutes a day for either their own child or a young person. Imagine if every person in this room took up that commitment, just one person who's in a generation that's younger than them, praying for that one person 15 minutes a day um, you know, you can, could be someone even in your community if you don't have, you know, family here. Then, you know, I know Anamika, she's going into Dondale. Jimmy's working with young people. Other people, you know young people in your community. These Karama kids who keep on breaking into places. You know, what if you found out the name of one of those Karama kids and just committed to praying for that one child 15 minutes a day? Um... So yeah, if you want to find out more about this movement, um, there's a website there and Saskia Van Helden, um, they have prayer coordinators in lots of nations. Youth for Christ is now partnering with them so that we can get this out there even more. Um, but yeah, there's three leaders. Um, Saskia's in the Netherlands. There's someone in um, Canada. There's someone in Brazil, but we don't have anyone in the Southeast Asia region. So if you kind of feel like, oh my goodness, this would be awesome to have in Southeast Asia, in Australia, um, yeah, just talk to me or email um, 
Saskia and she can help you with um, getting something going. Also, they've produced a resource. Do you want to go to the next slide, please? Um, it's called Faith, Prayer and Teenagers. Basically, it's a really cool um, guide. Um, it's got stories in there from different um, leaders and then it's got like 31 days you can pray for your teenager <laughs> and just creative ways. So, you know, whether it involved going for a walk or whether it's looking at something on YouTube or, you know, just different, like um, using scripture, just gives you um, different ways to be able to pray and engage in that space with your young person. So as I said, it doesn't have to be a young person. It can be just someone in um, a generation that's down from you. So, yeah, my question for you today is... Who will you be a spiritual parent to? You might already be doing that. You've obviously, some of you have got your own children that you're obviously not only being a physical, biological parent to, but you're actually sowing into them spiritually as well. But if you don't have any kids, you still can be a parent to someone. 